0: Hello and welcome to the Irwin Mitchell podcast. My name's Jeremy Raj and I'll be your host today. We're going to be discussing the recent announcement from Training Standards and a totally new focus on consumer protection regulations, as well as how it will affect residential property and the industry as a whole. We'll talk you through what's changing, how it's going to impact consumers, estate agents, and the whole of the residential property industry. I'm delighted to say that I have two experts with me today. Kate Faulkner, well-known industry expert. Kate, I thought I'd Google you before we started. And the first entry when I Googled you was Kate Faulkner Pilates teacher.
1: Oh, um, I'm usually I'm, a hockey player in America, actually.
0: Ah, oh, right. You thought I was going to say hockey player. Nope, she didn't feature. I don't know if that's to do with my searching. But uh, yeah, but Kate Faulkner, the... Um, the Pilates teacher is described as friendly, easy to follow and professional. And I thought, well, that that does actually sound like Kate. But uh... <laughs> I
1: don't remember writing that.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's on the Pilates website for the other Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um
1: but but it, it suits
0: you equally well as I know from previous interactions. Kate, it does say on your website that you're passionate about the residential property market problems being solved if the media, industry and government can work together to educate consumers. I think that sums you up really nicely and it's clearly what you're about as well as very much being one of the UK's leading property experts. Thank you. Also joining me today, I have Emma Cook, who is Policy and Information Manager at the National Trading Standards, and she's within the Estate and Lettings Agency team. Welcome, Emma. Hi. Um, My research on you led me to LinkedIn. We swapped a couple of messages as well. It was nice to see that on your profile, you say you love capital letters, your job, and that trading standards is unknown for the rewarding profession that you find it to be. One of the other things on there is that you said you you don't sound your own trumpet enough in trading standards. So I'm hoping, Emma, that we give you the opportunity to do that today um, on the topic that we've
2: got. Well, not my personal trumpet. I hate even talking about myself, to be honest, but general, the general profession itself. I think um, we are unsung heroes and I think we could do a lot better with highlighting the very many things that we do for consumers on an everyday basis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, in, in the short time I've known you, I can tell that you're not one for blowing your own trumpet, but, but in terms of what trading standards does for consumers, which is really going to be highlighted through today's topic. I think you're absolutely right. You know, There are millions of people that don't know how well protected they are through trading standards. Um, and that's a great thing. Um, so just give us, even though you just said you don't like talking about yourself, just give <laughs> us a little bit of background. How, how long have you been with trading standards?
2: Um, I've been in the profession now for about 13 years. It's one of those professions where uh, I started off um, just do admin work really for the local trading standards. I just had my children, my my second child mm-hmm. and I wanted to get back into the world of work and I just thought this sounds a, a really good job. I think I'm just going to have a crack at that. So I tried to do some some training courses put in for some funding to help do different training courses and it was turned down because of oh. funding. Uh, issues in councils. So I thought, well, actually, um, I I really do want to give this a go. So I paid for my qualifications myself and qualified.
0: Money well spent, I'm sure, and and a benefit to the profession and to all of us. Um, I, a, a little bit more research that I did revealed that you'd been a speaker recently on a conference where you were talking about ostrich syndrome. Um, yes. You were comparing in a really interesting way buying a property to buying a car and um, the different approaches that people take um, and actually the, the kind of poor way that most people expect um, to buy property when compared to buying in fact lots of other
2: things not just cars oh absolutely i think more people research when buying a car than they do a house Uh, and actually you spend a damn sight more money on a house than you do a car um uh, over the years you might spend a lot a lot of money on cars but um, it's very emotive buying a house and it's not as easy as people think um there's lots of considerations for a house and i think that's where we're going with with what we're trying to achieve with our material information project.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And I'm glad you've said that because it's something that lawyers say and think very often, but people think it's out of self interest when when lawyers say, actually, look, this is really complicated. You ought to take your time. You ought to spend as much money as you can. You ought to get the best lawyer that you can. And Kate, I know that's that's a kind of uh, a real theme of yours and has been over the years.
1: Yes, I think my head's hurt from nodding so much, quite frankly. And what's (laughs) also really good is, you know, is people like Emirate Trading Standards and indeed in the government have started to get that buying property is not going to be like buying a car. It's not like, oh, uh, the people who um, compare it to buying a toaster. I'm like, it's not a toaster just forget those comparisons it's a real tough thing to do partly because of the nature of the wonderful property stock that we're blessed to have in this country that makes it a complex purchase and I think we need to it's quite interesting I had a conversation with somebody once and they said oh we don't want to tell everybody it's complex because that then they might oh, really? not do it yeah absolutely and it's kind of that attitude that's led us to the problems that we have when somebody thinks, oh, I'll, you know, the amount of times, particularly uh, retired people who are buying with cash, I'm buying with cash, do I need a solicitor to buy a home? And I'm kind of like, it's a good job a lot of this is done on email, because otherwise by screaming at them, uh, because we all know what, how they even think that, I don't know, but we've done a bad job, if that's what they think, haven't we?
0: Sure. So look, we've set the scene, we've introduced ourselves, um, and now we're going to get to the meat of today's topic, which is the Consumer Protection Regulations. So what are the Consumer Protection Regulations? Well, the Consumer Protection Regulations were a bit of legislation that arrived on the statute books in 2008. And it's it's quite interesting to use the full title for this, um, I think, Consumer Protection from Unfair Trading Regulations. It it arose really um, from a Europe wide initiative at the time to make sure that consumers were protected from unfair trading practices in in most spheres of their life. And so I think it's important to realise that this isn't a piece of legislation aimed straight at uh, buying and selling homes. Um, It's about legal obligations when you're dealing with consumers um, in in any sphere, really. However, it does, of course, impinge on the home buying and selling uh, process. Um, And I think the key part, Regulation 6, is a legal obligation not to omit material information from consumers and trading standards, I think, are bringing this to the attention of more and more people in the industry. Uh, Emma, uh, how do you see the regulations? How do you see their importance? Um, and how do you see their implementation?
2: They're very, very important piece of legislation, actually, is probably the main pieces or the bread and butter, as, as I like to call it, for trading standards. And the, the interesting thing is that they were actually in existence uh, and they were running alongside, parallel, if you like, to the Property Misdescriptions Act 1991. And it was obviously um, at a time where I think government probably thought to themselves, well, actually, we don't need the Property Misdescriptions Act anymore because the CPRs, as we as we call it, um, is actually doing um, a very good job. And the reason why I say the consumer protections regulations are actually much better than the Property Misdescriptions Act in a way is because... The Property Misdescriptions Act only covered estate agency work and property development businesses, whereas the CPRs, they're much wider in scope. They extend to the whole of the UK, but they cover all consumer transactions. So it's not just about estate agency work and property development. It also includes letting agency work. I think there should be nothing new for agents when we talk about the CPRs because they have been in existence now since 2008. And the beauty of Regulation 6 is it's not just about the omission of information, it can be if they hide it and it can yeah, be if they absolutely. provide the information in an untimely manner. And the other yeah, important no. thing is is obviously it's it's something which can impact a consumer before entering a contract, whilst negotiations are taking place and after entering into a contract. So the CPRs are actually very, very important for agents to get their head around because if a consumer's uh, transactional decision is impacting, is impacted before, during, or after entering into a contract, they can be, f- you know, found liable if uh, investigated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, lots of really interesting points there, Emma, and we'll be coming back to some of those in due course, particularly the timing side of things. But I mean, just going back to the original 2008 thing, I, I certainly remember from private practice that that people really focused on the Property Descriptions Act and didn't necessarily think that, that the CPRs were going to affect them, you're really saying at trading standards now, look, no, this is a really important piece of legislation, it's going to be released in a different way, it's going to be enforced in a different way, is that right?
2: It's not going to be policed in a different way, okay. local trading standards and, and ourselves at, at national trading standards level, we would be investigating any cases of mis- material uh, information being omitted or hidden, just as we would without this piece of work. Um, it's, it's a case of local trading standards as well as ourselves can investigate any complaint, if you like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about omissions, It can be about misleading actions. So where they've intentionally misled somebody, it can actually uh, look at aggressive practices where they have coerced or used undue influence against a consumer. It can even look at uh, different offences where they're outright banned offences. So, for example, claiming they're a member of a trade association or redress scheme where they're not actually authorised. So using a logo when you're not authorised to do is an outright banned offence, as we call it under the CPRs. And of course, you've got trademark offences. If the logo is protected by trademark, you have intellectual property that needs to be protected and uh, enforced against. So we can actually look at um, intellectual property, too.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, again, there's, there's a fair few things there that I think we're going to come back to. But I'd like to just stick with, although this is a very wide ranging piece of legislation, which is going to affect lots of different aspects, what is actually changing? Because um, from my reading, by the end of May, phase one of your project is coming in, and then phases two and three are going to follow. So what do people listening now need to change if they haven't already complied with what they should be doing?
2: Okay. Um well we've actually released the, the parts, um, which are part one, if you like phase one. Mm-hmm. And what agents need to ensure is that they have this uh, information at the point of listing. So what we're asking agents to do is to ensure that they actually have price, tenure information and council tax band. Sure. Tenure information is is absolutely crucial. So it's not just a case of saying it's freehold or it's leasehold. It goes much deeper than that. So if it's leasehold, you have to say how many years are left on the lease. We also require ground rent information and any review period, as well as any service charges and again, uh, any review periods.
0: Yeah, I mean, people particularly uh, at the legal end of the profession will be aware of how crucial things like ground rents can be because if the ground rent in the lease has been drafted badly, you may not be able to get mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are other, other reasons why the rest of the information is also vital. Um, and I know you're focusing on, on making sure that people do uh, describe council tax bans, for example, and, and other things that are going to be um, seen as material, i.e., must be disclosed information at the outset. Now Uh, I wrote a short piece recently where the general response seemed to be, oh, we're already doing this. This isn't a big deal. Um, So, Kate, uh, I I realise that uh, this is provoking a reaction from you. Do you want to step in? Um, We can ignore it, can't we? It's not a big deal. We already do all of it.
1: It is shocking the number of properties that are promoted, obviously particularly flats, without the correct leasehold information, even to the point of not mentioning their leasehold. And the, the, some of the biggest culprits, which have, there's, there's no excuse for, are developers and housing associations. And trying to get that information out of them, we know a developer selling at the moment, they've said that they have got uh, plots that are under offer, and we couldn't get the leasehold information out of them. So how was that possible? And everything that, that we want, we need to do in this market is to reduce fall throughs and stress. Both for consumers good for the industry too. And I have a little sympathy sometimes with agents because they're trying to get the information out of the consumer, but I have no, you know, th- there's no excuse for developers uh, to not give that information and they need to buck their ideas up. So. If we had proper leasehold information, I'm confident that we could start uh, really making an impact on reducing fall throughs. It's all part of the upfront, but one of my biggest bugbears is this. And I think, you know, we talked about blowing trumpets and stuff and Emma might not like this, but fair play to Emma and James, they've done a brilliant job on putting this forward and it will make a difference, a massive difference. One of the issues is, is that in the old days, you used to go to an agent to get your information and then they would be able to talk you through flats and leasehold and stuff. People now go onto a portal, fall in love with the property, don't know anything. That's don't a really interesting
0: anything. point actually. That so, hadn't occurred to me before that, that um, there was a lot more face to face and discussion, whereas if people are working through portals, there isn't really the chance to um, chat to that extent, although a lot of the portals will have chat facilities, etc um they don't tend to have the conversations at the outset so so really there's a there's a big change in the digital provision of, of lots of services that, that we probably should uh, should try and think about when we're when we're designing these processes but if i can just kind of stick on the um the phase two and phase three because emma i do know that that you're going to be looking for significantly more information to be provided up front. Could you talk us a little bit through that?
2: We're looking at a lot of different things. And I I know I I did read your piece, actually, Jeremy, and it was very well written. Um, It's it's actually something that we have. We pondered quite a lot with at Steering Group, because obviously there are quite a lot of stakeholders involved in this project. So we have all all the portals mentioned, which are Rightmove Zoopla on the market, and we have got PropertyPal. We have got some trade associations and the redress schemes, and it was a lot of discussion, actually, I have to say as to what can be on this list, because it's important to remember that what is in material information for one person isn't necessarily material to another. And it's trying to draw draw that balance. So it's one of those things where we thought, OK, we could actually make this massive or we could start small and actually have the opportunity to add as the years go forward with different things and so, so, so you're
0: being nice to everyone to start with you're, you're you're saying look this is the basic stuff that you really ought to be telling people up
2: yes from.
0: and we're going to move on in phases two and three at the moment have you got a rough timescale for that or is that to be decided we're
2: going to be announcing phase b and c towards the end of spring so you'll have a lot more information uh, shortly with regards to those two phases and we will be putting some timelines on it the important thing is that with phase A, what we've said is we have given deadlines uh, for portals anyway, because just to go back to the previous point that Kate uh, made, we, we did start with portals because that is mostly where mm. the journey starts for anybody looking to buy or, or sell a house. And because of the less interaction with a the portal, um, there has to be that information available on the portal. And the ultimate thing is it will cascade down to agents on websites, as well as their own property particulars or brochures that they they actually produce, because of the CRM software, et cetera. But with regards to phase A and uh, sorry phase B and C, we're looking at things like things that could impact certain properties because of where they're based, for example. So if it's a coastal property, is it suffering with coastal erosion? Yeah. or you know do you have to put into a sea defense, for example fund? We're also looking at parking. Uh, it's not just a case of saying it yeah, parking's available at this house. That's that's great. But is it a permit required? Because the permit doesn't stay with the property, it stays with the owner. So if the owner moves out, yeah. there is implication there. Uh, we're also looking at important things like heating sources, utilities. And there's a lot more uh, properties now that have solar panels or photovoltaic uh, panels. I can never say that word, so I'm hoping everybody <laughs> will understand what you I mean. We definitely
0: knew what you meant.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I hope everybody else listening did. So it's a case of because there are these things on properties and there are obviously costs associated with it, maintenance costs as well, it is important for a consumer to need to know that. And I think what distinguishes A from B and C is that A are inescapable costs. You cannot avoid the things in Part A. If you buy the property, you are lumped with everything else. With B and C, it's not necessarily the same case because it depends on where that property is located. But other things we'll also look at is it a listed building, for example, because listed buildings are quite high maintenance in as much that it may be if you needed to do something or you wanted to do some improvements, you have to get prior permission, all sorts of things. So it's a case of what would a consumer need to know rather than what they would like to know. And that was the, the, the difficult conversation that we had to have
0: i just wanted to pick up on one thing and, and bring it back to kate as well um, which was knowing what is important to a particular person is really difficult and i say that also with kind of 30 years of being involved with conveyancing deals some people couldn't care less about certain aspects of property and for others they would go well that's the most important thing in the world to me you know whether it's my dogs uh, not allowed in the flat Or something else. Kate, uh, I'm sure you've had experience of that too.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think up until now, that's where it has been quite difficult. Um, Because what you need, what we need in property, if we're going to make a difference and make a change, the information has to be clear, absolute crystal clear. Any greyness, like we had, if you think about it, in lettings in the old electrical rules and regulations, they were grey. They were therefore difficult to meet. And so you need that consistency and clarity, then the property industry can deliver. And I think what we're doing now, um, having gone through this, it's bringing some really, it, it's bringing those two to the fore. And I think okay, that's so Kate, what's I'm really gonna, helpful. I'm
0: risk annoying you slightly here, but my reading at the moment is that. Trading standards have have made their announcement. We know that it's going to be serious. We know that it's going to have phases being seen, which will bring in um, more requirements. There are lots of different ways to skin a cat, um, and there are lots of different types of forms out there, and there are lots of different regulatory authorities. Haven't we just got a mess that's going to need someone to grab hold of? Um, to make sure that everyone knows, OK, trading standards have said this is material information for phase A. This is the form that we need to use and everyone's clear on it or or is there going to be someone stepping into that leadership role?
1: so i think we're already there with that uh if i'm honest because you're you're absolutely right and that was again one of the issues of i speak to people a lot and they go well you'll never change the property market it's too complicated etc and uh if anybody tells me i can't do something off i go and uh it is really complicated and i've learned so much over the last few years learning working with the different trade bodies and those regulatory things including that there's no point pushing forward something unless we've checked it with all the regulatory bodies first because if it contradicts one of theirs it it will fall flat on its face halfway um, you know just like just like a fall through like a move does so the really important thing is is that all the work that emma and trading standards is doing um fits perfectly into all the work we've been doing on the buying and selling property information form lovingly called the Basby, So we've got, um, we were, um, you're right on forms, we were going to introduce that as a form. We decided not to because people were starting to do upfront information by themselves. New companies were coming through thinking this is a great idea. So we just said, right, we're going to pull together, I think it's up to 200 questions now that buyers and sellers need to have the answers to, to be able to transact. Um, And we're just kind of gifting that out and saying, look, use this some of those 70 questions, 70 of those questions might apply to your business, um, 40 might apply to other. but it is taking everything that trading standards have got in here and making sure that we're, it, they are all sitting in one place. So we, we are getting there with that. And just some people think that the BASP is some competition to TA6. It's no competition whatsoever. All it is, is the list of TA6 questions Maybe slightly different. And and for those that don't know, the
0: TA6 is the Law Society approved form as part of the conveyancing protocol, which most buyers and sellers fill out currently after an offer has been made and accepted. And that kind of goes to the heart of this change in the process, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And we really want, we did um, a pledge some uh, actually during COVID, which we want to push more now that we've got the, the bandwidth to do that. And one of the game-changers in there is that we want people to instruct their legal company at least day one of marketing, if not before. Um, so that is the kind of difference that we can make because it's all right saying there's 200 questions you need to answer, but you are gonna need some professional help to get those right.
0: Sure, and I was, I was gonna to come to this later, but but you've raised it, so let's let's talk about that a little bit now. those that have been in the industry long enough this feels really like a bit of a resurrection of hips the home information packs that came in went out again um never really caught on and had all sorts of problems why isn't this just going to fail in the same way that hips did
1: yeah it's it's a fair question i can tell you now it's nothing like hips nothing at all i knew i was along the hip sort of bandwagon, if you like. I was writing the property books for Which at the time. And I was so frustrated that that was so badly handled. And with everything I'm doing on the home buying and selling group, this is what my learning was, is we just didn't talk to the right people early enough to develop. The answer to the question that people wanted was, how do we make buying and selling easier? So that was the error. And we, anything we do we make sure that doesn't happen. And indeed, that's exactly what trading standards have been doing on this process, because now we have a group of people who you who can you can just tap into and make sure that you ask anybody from lender through to removal company. We're thinking of doing this. What do you think? What are the pros and cons? Does it cross any of your regulations? Let's get it done. So the and all the work that we're doing is all done with everybody's support. And if somebody isn't supportive along the way, they're as important to listen to as everybody else who loves it, because they'll have a good reason behind why they don't think it's a good idea. And we really want to listen to them as much. And you basically move, shuffle everything forward. I always think of getting through a gate. You shuffle the idea forward, but you've got to bring everybody with you to make it work. And that's why the work that we're doing is going to make a difference um, because in, we're doing that, including government. So all the different bodies are there: the one-man bands, legal companies, the franchise organisations, the big corporates. They're all in on the decision making from day one. That's what's making the difference.
0: Sure. So that's that's on that side of things. But but Emma, coming coming back to you again, um, and and maybe. Keeping on the slightly provocative theme, isn't it going to be impossible over time for everybody to know what really is material information? Because of that, that issue we were discussing, where what's important for one person is of no interest to another, um, and vice versa, there there can be other issues you know, uh, has the property been burgled nine times in a row? Well, if it has, a buyer is going to say, well, i I, you know, I needed to be told that Um, the flooding thing is an obvious one. But there are also more peripheral things such as what's further down the road. I think Trading Standards had a case in 2019 regarding the disclosure of cladding issues. Um, is this not just going to grow and grow and grow so that, you know, maybe five years down the line, we're just going to be flooding consumers with information that they then switch off to a little bit? Is that a danger that
2: you see? Um, no, and it's, it's a very good point that you make. And it's it's something that crossed our mind. It, I, I think my tagline has always been with this area of work is that um, we ask, we listen and we act and we ask a lot of questions when we go to events, and agents constantly say to us, we just want to know what is material information. If you can tell us, give us a definitive list, we would be very grateful. And that is exactly what we are trying to do. I mean, what you'll notice is that the CPRs doesn't come with a prescribed list of what is material information, which is very unhelpful. (laughs) The Property Misdescriptions Act did have 33 matters, which was incredibly helpful, but that's been repealed. But if an agent looks at those 33 matters, I don't think that they would be very shocked to discover that quite a few of those are going to be in Part B and C. So there gives you the clue. With regards to, well, you know, could this become, you know, an out of control machine, if you like? No, what we're saying is the basic material list that we have provided is just that it's basic. It's as long as these are included in any listing, any additional information that an agent wishes to give is entirely up to them. We are not stating that everything that they have been doing up till this point um, is no longer required because it's all about what consumers are also um, happy to see. It's user experience as well as consumer knowledge being increased. Uh, and it's a balancing act, actually. But I don't think there's any danger because, obviously, when consumers become more educated, because there is educational work which is running yeah. alongside this, when you have an educated consumer, they are an empowered consumer. And an empowered consumer can actually do a lot with that knowledge because knowledge is power and they can start asking questions and i think agents need to be prepared for that it's not just about this it can be other things
0: absolutely and i, I think that's a key point um, but but moving on that almost sounds perfectly reasonable there is a there is a tough side to this isn't there because um the regulations it, uh, can result in an unlimited fine for breaches uh maximum two years in prison is that yep. something that you see as key to this moving forward or are you just going to be saying look unless there's an, a, a really egregious breach um we're hoping to to kind of play it through the education piece
2: what we've wanted to do all along is work with industry that is the key thing for this, because success, you people will only follow if they feel part of the journey. And I think that has always been key to us, is to work with industry, which is why we've done a lot of talking over the last two and a half years with a lot of different stakeholders. And I, I, I have to say that, you know, if if we do know of any non-compliance, I, I know that, you know, our team certainly will will look into that pretty seriously, um, because it's something that we've been speaking about since our you know, our, our our team came into into fruition in 2014, and it's a case sure. of if agents are asking us and we're telling them, if they're not listening, um, there's a problem there, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. Look, one one of the things I've been quite engaged by uh, ever since Grenfell is is um, building regulations, enforcement thereof, and how the industry has really let itself down um, mm. with with safety. On this, do you think you have sufficient resources? Is it it well organised enough? Are there enough people? Are you going to be able to enforce it properly? Or or is there an issue that needs to be worked through? Do you need help, more help from uh, involved players within the industry?
2: It's a very good point. And I think I will always say that there's not enough trading standards officers in the UK full stop. And that is a fact, because I think in the last 10 years, I think trading standard services have been decimated by up to 50%. And in in that same period of time, there's been lots more legislation which has been passed, which are falling into the remit of trading standards. And it's a case of we're firefighting at the moment. And that is not a place that a trading standards officer likes to be. There's a lot more proactive work we would like to be doing rather than reactive. And then when it does come to reaction uh, of different things that come to the attention, you then have to do your own internal matrix, if you like, as to what can we take and what can't we take.
0: Trading standards
2: are intelligence led. So the more intelligence that you get, the the better prospects you have for, for prosecution.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I, I am in no position to speak for the industry, but certainly a lot of people that I know within the industry want things to improve. Kate, you have a much better exposure than me to kind of a range of people within the industry. What what's your feeling on, on Emma's point and, and how we can help with this?
1: Well, I think it's a really good one, um, because one of the issues when I've been out and about with everybody is that There is no facility for a legal company, for example, to complain about a surveyor. So there's no sort of cross sector professional sort of problem pointing, if you like. And I remember, and this is a lady I met on the legal side, and she's like, this surveyor just tells you there's damp everywhere and there isn't. And I've had it three times now and we've lost three sales. Well, you got everybody needs to be able to do something about that. And it may well be, whether that's the case, I might be able to help me on this, but it may well be that this gives us some opportunity to do that because some way, shape or form, there will always be people who aren't doing their job properly and affecting lots of people locally. And we have to be able to have a facility to call that out. And maybe this gives us an opportunity to, to do that because um, it, that, that doesn't help anybody uh, when you're buying and selling home if you've got somebody that for whatever reason has got a bad damp meter perhaps and is just calling out damp in every property and it's it's the meter that's the problem.
0: Absolutely and, and that thing of, of people working together is clearly um, how, how all of these problems are going to come to a sensible um, resolution rather than just focusing on one area because I mean I've certainly had um, feedback from within the legal profession saying but look, this is mainly about state agents, isn't it? They've just got to do some extra work. It's nothing to do with us. Can we get away with that, Emma? Uh,
2: not really. Um, I <laughs> think you just, think um, so. it, it's not a case of, oh, well, never mind. It's not my problem. It's a case of you have to report it somewhere, because if we don't know about it, then nothing can be done. It's as simple as that. And I think another important thing to to highlight is that consumers have the redress schemes also. To, to have some respite if they have got a complaint against an agent. And, and they do a fantastic job. Both redress schemes are there yeah, to help absolutely. consumers. I,
0: I mean, in, in terms of that, if you if you then look at consumers' understanding, that's a big education piece, isn't it? Um, I wonder if enough uh, is going to be done to make people realise that they are going to be entitled to all of this side front. But also on a related point, Are people going to want to pay for it? Are the right people going to do it? Because to be fair to agents, when you're saying you need to disclose the terms of the lease and the council tax, a lot of them will say that's not a problem. We can do that. Some of the other things like maybe restrictive covenants on the title um, or some of the more obscure searches that need to be done or, or an understanding of things to do with listings you're probably going to need someone with some legal training or or someone that normally would come in after the deal had been agreed and the due diligence started and two lawyers that were being paid uh, were on it. Um, Kate, do you see that as an issue?
1: Well, this is where what we're getting now is joined up thinking. So we recognise that issue. And that's why we want to push for consumers and uh, sellers to get their legals done upfront. I've done it for years now with various properties uh, and oh boy, it makes such a difference. Uh, it really does. There are also um, some agents that are proactively producing legal property packs. To, which we hope will be loaded onto the likes of the portals so that they'll see their property and then they can go in uh, and look at the property pack. That may or may not include searches. So this is where the joined up thinking comes through. And the other thing we have to do, it's always been very difficult to get the media on side. So 99 times out of 100 calls that I get from the media are about property prices. So one of my jobs this year is we had to, when we got together, we needed to get Everybody working together of the different lenders through to removal companies. Tick, we've got that now and a really good working relationship. Then what we needed to do is to build a good relationship with government on the home buying and selling side. We've got that. And to be fair, they do a great job for us. And hopefully we do a good job when they need our help. The last piece in the puzzle is cracking the media and encouraging, coaxing, whatever we have to do to show the media that there's a lot better stories out there. And actually, we, we did do this on stamp duty. We worked really closely with the media to make sure that they knew that if they hadn't made their offer when the first deadline was in November, they hadn't made their offer then, the likelihood was they may not complete before the end of March, and they needed to have their stamp duty ready. When the final deadline came of the big uh, relief in the end of June, the media was struggling to find anybody who had got a problem. And I went on one interview and I I could have almost cried, to be honest, because the guy said to him, what would have happened if you hadn't have completed at five to five on the 30th of June? And he said, well, I'd had a letter from my legal company to tell me that I needed to make sure I had the stamp duty available because it might not happen. And I was just like, wow, that's fabulous. Between the media, between those letters going out and the conversations from agents and legal companies, we got that job done. And if so, we've got a success story now that hopefully we can take to the media and show them that there's a lot more things that we could do to help people buy and sell a house than just talk about property prices.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, look, in the, in the Owen Mitchell raising team, we were certainly sending those letters out, but we had a lot of deals that people really, really had to burn a midnight or month to get through. And, I think um, the conveyancing industry as a whole should be proud of itself for how it got through those two really
1: difficult Yeah, times. E- everybody should from, you know, lender and don't forget, we often forget the yeah, removal companies. they. <laughs> They couldn't be COVID compliant, remember, from day yeah, one. Absolutely. How scared were they? But you know, we were all absolutely. in our offices and homes. They couldn't stand two metres apart. They had, you know, they were terrified, yeah. bless them, but they still went out there because nobody could move without them. So everybody did an absolutely stunning job. And actually, the nice thing is, is that's been recognised, that, yeah. that, that we've had thank yous from people in government to say, you did a good job, guys. Yeah, no, no you're quite that's right. not happened Absolutely.
0: before. Shout out to the removals people and all others. Um, uh, and yeah, know, there are lots of people in, in lenders working really hard to get those through too. But um, Jeremy, the, I wanted to come yeah? back
2: on to another point of yours, sure if I could. Um, <laughs> you know, you asked the question, you know, would people want to pay for this information early? I, I, I don't understand why that would be an issue because they've got to pay for it anyway. It's just in the different order of things.
0: Well, it's a, it's a good question, but I, it, it takes me back slightly to the hips thing, which, which might set Kate off again. I'll, I'll have to take care not but, but it, one, <laughs> one, of, one of the issues there was you've got to pay for searches. You've got to pay for a home condition report then you've got to pay for those things up front. And then depending on the market, you might get a buyer straight away or you might need to renew those, those um, searches or you're you're effectively paying for something in stages, I suspect there's going to be a commercial answer that evolves over the next couple of years, which which, um, challenges the way things are done. I guess from a sort of slightly selfish lawyer's point of view, you're kind of thinking, well, once we get to the things like restricted covenants and others, That's going to take somebody a couple of hours in the law firm to do. Do clients want to pay for it up front? They might change their minds. You know, um, we do have this bizarre system which isn't changing in itself, whereby up until the point that we've exchanged contracts, everyone can walk away. You know, having the information up front will stop a fair bit of that. But it also means that work has to be done. And as we get more and more complex with that, I think there are going to be some issues. Kate, you've been talking to people about this in the market. Do you have a, a different
1: view? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it will be an issue. We have had some surveys done that says people will be happy to pay for the information, but I'm not sure. It's a bit like the drinks industry. I'm not quite sure that people are always honest in surveys when it comes to property. Apparently, the drinks industry would be about a tenth of the size if people actually people uh, drank what they. Admitted to on yeah. uh, surveys, so we're in that. We're definitely in that ballpark with research. But there is already no sale, no fee conveyancing uh, available. For example, um, there's already no sale, no fee estate agency. So the the potential that for me, I think the industry has got to go. Do you know what? If we do get all of this information upfront, if we do post properties with leasehold information correctly. And then we educate consumers to ask for this information and ask um, to make sure that that their agent and their legal company is doing all the asking all the right questions. Then the cost saving throughout the rest of the buying, selling and process for the industry will be huge because nobody wants to be six to eight weeks into an, an offer being made only to to wait for the lender, for example, to make their offer, you know, before they do the searches. Yeah, sure.
0: No, no, it, everyone it, hates that. And, and it, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, are, um, on time. yeah. So we've got a my attitude with things like this is, is it the right thing for the consumer? And will it help the industry? Does it have that secondary result? And it helps buckets. I mean, it's just Bucket loads, stress-wise, job-wise. So, so let's just find a way to get it done. Is my attitude, and we will.
0: Fair enough. That that's the consumer helping the consumer. Trading standards, obviously, that's that's a core tenet for them. But let's let's flip it slightly. Um, what about the people selling? um what are the obligations that's going to be on them what happens if they've got people that are complying with the regulations Emma I I, I wonder if I could bring you back in on this because from my point of view you're kind of looking at this and going well you're you're dependent on on the portals having updated put the information in but there's still a significant amount of property that, that is sold in in more of a traditional way through Maybe smaller local agents and others who might not have the resources to look at this. Um, do you see that as a problem? How how are sellers going to be brought in to authorising this, enabling it, and and knowing what their obligations are?
2: Uh, it's it's going to be actually handled through the the guidance aspect of of the work that we're doing, but it's. It's not just, as I said before, it's not just about the portals. We started with the portals because obviously that is predominantly the landing page for anybody beginning their journey. But, uh, you know, we have discussed with quite a few CRM data companies and it's come to, 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 to my knowledge anyway. This has it's, it's been a very big learning curve for me about the intricacies of, of software, etc. And agents use the same software to upload properties to their own websites and produce their own brochures, as they do to liaise and talk to the portals. So when you have CRM companies making changes to their data software, that is going to benefit agents themselves, even if they are just a traditional one one man band agent, or whether they're a franchise or whether they've got multi multi branches throughout. So I I really don't see that there is an issue. With vendors, it's obviously a case that the vendor needs to be um, advised that this information is going to be required in order for their property to be successfully uploaded. And if they want to sell their property, then they will need to have this information to hand. Otherwise, it won't get listed. And bearing in mind, the vendor themselves will become a buyer. They will also benefit from the information from any subsequent property that they choose to look at and then go on to buy or rent. So I, I think the the educational piece is going to be a strong piece in as much that that is the message that has to get get out there and get across to, to vendors and buyers and tenants and, and, and who landlords. Who do you
0: think is, is taking responsibility for that? Do you, do you see that as, as lying at your front door at trading standards or, or is it, as we were saying earlier, an industry thing?
2: It's an industry thing. I don't think that this something, this task at at this level can be done by any one particular organisation. It's certainly something that we're quite happy to link in with. Uh, We already work quite closely with Property Mark to try and educate agents by, you know, we 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 run some uh, training courses for Property Mark for agents. It is something that we are looking at at steering group level, and um, I know that the CMA uh, are also part of our steering group and we have DLAC part of our steering group and it will actually work into their their buy, how to buy, how to sell, guides, etc. So it's not a case of us trying to reinvent the wheel, not at all. What we're trying to do is expand on of the lot of great work that's already out there um, sure. that people can ha- access.
0: I mean, one of the things that I've scribbled on my notes was, was revolution or evolution, Do you, and, and I'd like both your opinions on this.
2: It's a good question, actually. Could you argue, could argue for both. Um, I mean, with with our well, I'm project. A, I'm a lawyer,
0: so you could pay me to argue for both. <laughs> but, but, but you're in training standards and Kate's an expert, so I'm not going to let you get away with that. <laughs>
2: I just think this sort of work is is constantly going to be changing, isn't it? So it's right. it's okay. it has to be both. You have to be revolutionary to make change. yeah. But you're a, an evolutionist as well, if that's such a word, whereby you are. Everything evolves, everything changes. So that's the constant, isn't it, in life is change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're also a diplomat, Emma. Um, well, you know, I, I try to look
2: at both sides, Jeremy. That's a <laughs> Good great for investigator's you. role.
0: It, it, <laughs> it surely is but kate come on you're not you're not going to get away with that that's that's um uh, i know you always have an opinion
1: yeah so i think we've definitely sort of had the main part if you like of the revolution which is getting the industry to really work brilliantly together and i'm going to say that because uh, a huge amount of people are putting a huge amount of effort and work a lot of their time for free to help us get to a point where we can change the market together. Sometimes we'll need government help. So we needed that relationship and we've done that too. But I think we've had a revolution to some extent in the way that we now all really work well together uh, and help each other. Um, and again, you know, the the, the work of trading standards has been testament to that um, that they're doing now. They've listened and they they've come up with something better. And that fits in with all the work that we're doing of the changes uh, on the home buying selling groups. So From here on in, we haven't finished the revolution yet because we really need to impact people's moves. We need to make sure that those sales uh, fall through, that we need to get those down. Uh, Not always sure about whether reducing the amount of time people move is the right thing, um, particularly for older people. You know, a two week um, exchange and completion is a disaster as far as I'm concerned. If you've got to empty a big house and send it somewhere else. Um, So for me. We the the real revolution will have finished when we've impacted the customer and they're having a much better day. And the final one, which we're also looking at, is that uh, I'll throw this out there because um, everybody can uh, tell me why it'll never happen. But they should, everybody should pick up their keys at one o'clock. Full stop. Crazy uh, that that doesn't uh, happen. I, so there I we know,
0: go. <laughs> I know a lot of conveyancers that will be jumping up and down when they hear you saying that. game. Okay. we would love that to be the case what about how the banking system
1: works? Exactly,
0: what whatever? but um, the beauty there's, is
1: there's the beauty is we can talk to the banking system. There are systems coming through that will help. So we've just got to talk about it, suggest it as an idea, and then get it done.
0: All for, all for getting it done. Emma, coming back to you, how, how are you feeling about the project now? I, I know that there was a huge amount of work done at, at Trading Standards leading up to the announcement. Um, do you feel like it's landed well? Are you are you getting the right kind of engagement? Are you looking forward to to B and C?
2: Yes, we've had some spe- spectacular feedback, actually, um, very very good, positive feedback. Um, I might be completely bald or grey by the time we get to phase C, um, <laughs> but it'll be worth it, of course, I'm sure. Um, but it's no, it's it's something that I'm extremely passionate about, um, and I know I speak. Um, a lot sometimes at at Kate meetings and sometimes Kate probably just has to try and get me to show sure up sometimes. But it's it's something that I'm very very passionate about. I'm extremely relieved, in fact, that now we have it announced, um, and I'm looking forward to all the hard work because there is hard work ahead. It's not something that we can say, oh okay, we've announced it now and that's the end of it. I think now is when the hard work starts, and and we are working incredibly hard behind the scenes. We are looking at. Uh, Looking, for example, where uh, if if there is a missing data field, uh, there is that information, that wording for a consumer to see, well, why is it important? So we're working on consistent wording for portals to use. We're also looking at um, how the information can be um, easily displayed. So we're trying to help the CRM data software companies work well with the portals. And it's, oh, it's that constant communication, always. It, it, the talking doesn't stop just because we've announced it. The talking, in fact, increases now. And um, sure. it's some excellent conversations that we're having.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really glad to hear that. And you mentioned the passion that, that was being brought by, by your team to this project. And I'm I'm sure that's, that's reflected really well in, in how it's gone down amongst the profession. Um, and hopefully in due course with consumers when they realise that this is going to help them uh, reduce those voluntary rates etc. Um, Kate any final thoughts?
1: Yeah I think the the main the main thing is really is that is that is to sort of end with I guess is that I've got loads of people that I work with like Emma every day and they like you said earlier Jeremy they people want change and nobody's ever had a a home for that change, if you like, to be with other people that also want change. And the amazing thing is, is of all the different projects that we're working on, and we have taken a lot on our shoulders. Um, we are getting there. It won't be quick, but um, we are, it's all being coordinated. It's all being shared. We're incredibly transparent. And we, we want people to tell us when it's going wrong or we haven't done something right. Uh, or they hate something, we've come up with an idea. And we've got a forum now, we've got a facility where all those things that you hate at the end of the day that have made your life miserable, we've got a system to sort that out. And bit by bit, we're getting that done. Um, We really are. So um, and I, I do think this work is a good, uh, a really, really good um, sort of testament to to that, and how lucky we are to have people like you know, uh, Emma and yourself because you've, you've given us great input. Um, because without that, we we can't make the changes that we need that will work on the ground, and that's that's what we have to do.
0: It, it's been an absolute delight discussing it with the two of you. Uh, I do think that this story has a has a long way to run, and as you say, Emma, we're we're at the start of of more hard work, but hard work in a different way. Um, what we've really got to hope is that um, these changes mean there will be fewer nasty surprises for people buying or, or selling property, um, that they can have a lot more security in in that handshake of a uh, agreed um, point of the transaction and that people are going to be making those offers based on a better understanding of the property. That they are buying. Um, so, as I say, uh, a real delight talking to the two of you today. I hope we'll be able to continue the conversation in due course. I'm looking forward to getting further announcements from Trading Standards and also to seeing what the, the profession as a whole does. Um, so, that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Erwin podcast. If you found it then please do give us answer or our next steps.